But here, on the very rim of known space, justice is a long way away. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Spaz. (laughs) Bringing you procedurally generated positivity. Ah, the best kind of procedurally generated stuff. Uh, Your co-host, Julie. Hi, I'm ecstatic to be here, even if it is on the rim of known space. Uh, uh, Your co-host... Oh, Thorsten's not here. Damn it. Uh, Got thrown off. Thorsten is having internet problems again. Apparently, living in rural Germany has its quirks. And uh, one of them is that when the internet goes down, they don't have spare parts to fix the equipment. So we're hoping Thorsten will be back soon. But right now, yeah, we'll we'll be happy to see him in a cafe, you know, using their internet. So frustrating. Uh, Also joining us is your co-host, Jacob. Rule of Acquisition 280. <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> also, I think Twitch is having a moment. Is it? It's not streaming. What? Everywhere else is. What? And uh, your co-host, David. Hi, David. Greetings. <laughs> I like that. I don't have a co-host. No, I like that. You sound like a, you sound like someone at a circus or 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 something. Greetings! Yeah, 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 exactly. Hello, wow, it's not, it's not streaming on Twitch. Twitch. What's going on? I don't know what's going on on Twitch. Uh, it's freaking weird. Okay, here's the quote. Someone set us up to bomb. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can someone Six. talk on a German accent? I miss Torsten. Uh, I can, you but you probably want me to. Yeah. It's I not, can, but you definitely don't want me to. I'm it's, Polish. It's It's not a good idea. Uh, especially as an American, it's not a good idea. Well, I, I mean, I can because I used to be fluent in German, but still. Can we pitch in for parts for his internet provider? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't think that's how that works. I, 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 mean, I don't know even what the parts are, how much they cost. Just um, irritating, that's all. So, yeah, I don't know what's going on. I mean, it looks like. Yeah, it looks like we're going out to Twitch, according to my thing. Oh, hang on. Anyway, uh, so folks, welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to talk about positive stuff, stuff we love. Because last week, last week, it was all about stuff we didn't love. We and, spent 90 minutes shitting on games we don't like, which um, mostly, people liked. Mostly Elite Dangerous. <laughs> mostly. mostly Elite Dangerous. No, there was some Star Citizen. Obviously, we, we spend less time on Star Citizen because there's less of a game there. Last week filled several bingo cards many times over. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be going to Twitch. I don't know why it isn't. Anyway, sorry, folks. Um, Uh, Good. Yes, if you, if you, okay, you wouldn't be hearing this on Twitch, but go to YouTube, I guess, because uh, Twitch is, Twitch is saying no. It's really freaking strange. It it must be a restream. It must be a restream problem. I'll, I'll tell people in the Twitch chat. Anyway, um, so I wanted to start with, and the reason I have, the reason I have Free Space Two streaming in the background is because I thought, what's the what's the thing I love most about the games I play? And uh, my favorite games have one through line I've known. Well, besides all being basically spaceship games, pretty much, um, 
They all have really? one. Yeah, right. They all have a one through line, and that is really good situational awareness. And I, I love a good game that gives you good situational awareness. And I'm street. I'm showing free space too as an example of this because no other space sim before or since has given you as many tools to manage situational awareness as free space too. You want a button to target bombs? You got it. You want to make a custom escort list that you can pull up in a moment? You got it. You want a button to target nearby missiles? You got it. Everything you need <laughs> and more to manage the battlefield. And it's fucking brilliant. I actually recently got back into Free Space 2 and I uh, used my fancy new uh, freaking uh, HOTAS setup, a uh, T1600M combined with, uh, combined with the uh, Gladiator NX, uh, NXT Evo, which has a combined total of like something like 100 plus buttons. <laughs> and I actually struggled to fit all the ones I needed purely because there are so, not necessarily needed, ones I could fit in. I actually oh. still had to make. Uh, I actually start to make. Like the game is perfectly playable without all of those, obviously. Obviously. Uh, but if you wanted to just shove every uh, everything you have in that game onto a controller, well, back in the day you couldn't. The game was limited to like the to like thirty two buttons, like because that's how software worked back in the day. Uh, now, now the Source Ports Free Space Open fixed that, but still, it requires a lot of buttons. Yeah, and. Uh, and it's got a ton of them, but it's it's so good at giving you all the tools you need to uh, to know what's going on in the battlefield. Yes, except except head tracking, but uh, we can only have so much. I mean, yeah, was was head tracking even a thing in '99? Was track IR even a thing back then? I don't know. I think it might track have been. IR. No, like head tracking. There were attempts at head tracking that worked that worked either not at all or barely. Uh, mostly because people just simply haven't figured out how to use them properly, uh, despite the tech being there and actually being fairly simple. You need a, infra- you need a camera that can eat- take infrared and a bunch of infrared LEDs on a mount. Uh, but, no, yeah, no, we didn't have track AR back then or equivalents thereof, or at least usable ones. And there was really no point to, like, program them in because, uh, yeah, most of the games that could that accept, all the games that accept track AR do it as a byproduct of, like, accepting these ancient VR headsets. Uh, I know there are some games that like had, there were like ancient VR headsets and some flight sims uh, accepted those. Oh, right. Like the Spectre VR, I think was one of them. And uh... yes, that thing. Yeah. I I just want, I want to see if we can get free space Two on a virtual boy. Can we do that? Can someone, no, I'm kidding. I'm so kidding. Why would you want that? I wouldn't. I'm kidding. I, I played the virtual (laughs) boy once and I got the worst headache. That's once more than you should have. They were doing I actually have played it and did not get a headache, but <sighs> I still wouldn't play it again. Yeah, they had a yeah, demo going. You, sorry, go ahead. Even if you're not getting a headache from that system, it's not like it's worth the effort. No, I mean, they had a demo going at a local mall. And so I was like, okay, I'll try this. It's Nintendo. How bad can it be? Oh, my head. It was bad. <laughs> it was really, really bad. So, uh, so yeah, situational um, awareness. Yeah, situational awareness. What are the big things about that? Uh, Free Space Two has impeccable UI. Oh Excellent, God, uh, UI. I love it so it much. Also has, 
Oh, I love it. It so also much. has a good voice communication. It's yeah, it great does. at telling you what's going on. Oh my it has God, excellent yes. sound effects despite being in space. The sound of like of like main cannons and like the main beam guns firing on uh on big warships is still embedded into my brain as the sound of turn away from where you are right now or else you get minced. Yeah, turn and afterburn, turn and afterburn, get away, get away. <laughs> Turn and burn. Yes, because t- <laughs> yes, because turns out if you're a tiny, dinky little fighter and you run in front of a battleship gun, uh, things yeah. don't go great for you. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. <laughs> uh, besides Free Space, what other examples are there? Well, because- I, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw, I think, does a really good job of this because you got the in-game radar, which is pretty good. But you have that uh, targeting view they can bring up from the radio menu that basically pauses the game and shows you everything around you, and you could like check every um, every enemy to see what they're shooting at, you know, and everything. What they're targeting, yeah, yeah, what they're targeting, and so lets you just get a view of the surroundings. I don't use it myself, but I I use also it, so don't need to. I guess I it also it. lets you know what cargo they're carrying, yeah, which is important for when you are looking for very specific things, and also if there are bounties. So there yeah. are there are reasons to actually use it. Oh, absolutely. I use it all the time, especially in really big fur balls to try and get a handle because uh, because there's a button to target your closest att- closest um, closest bad guy, but they might not be attacking you. They might be attacking someone else. So to be able to go through the targets casually while the game is paused and find out exactly who's targeting you is so bloody useful. Just, just so useful. And I was going to bring up TIE Fighter as well. I, I, I don't know if other people have problems with this. I love the TIE Fighter forward and backward radar that they have. Like, also X-Wing has this, obviously. And um, they also have a really great map in the game, you know, um, to help you get your bearings and figure out what's going on. So, yep. um, <clears throat> so, so that's one thing I love about some of my favorite games is when they offer and, and playing flight Sims recently has also um, helped me realize this. Like I'm not a huge Falcon three fan. I think it's kind of a boring game, but that padlock view, Holy crap. That padlock view might be one of the best padlock views in any flight sim ever. Yeah. It's obviously if you got track, I are glued to your bre- glued to your head. You don't need it, but it's right, great to but, have an access- accessibility option. Right, there was no track IR in 1993. So, all <laughs> oh, right, it's Falcon Three, not Falcon Four. Yeah, Sorry. Three, Three, Three had Three had the multi-window pad padlock view, where one of the windows showed your HUD, showed your um your your um what's the piece of glass that shows what your HUD is? What's that called? Uh, you know HUD. what I'm talking about? Yeah, but. So it shows that, and that's fixed. The HUD glass. Yeah, the HUD that's piece, what of, it's called. piece it's of the glass, HUD glass. The piece of glass that shows the HUD, that's fixed. So it shows a box around that as to where your view is, and it also has like a separate, a second box that like shows like it has three different boxes to show you where your enemy is, and it's just brilliant. I don't know if Falcon Four has that. I don't think it does. Um, but uh, so yeah, like, and and other and other sims do a good job with a moving map. Like uh, F nineteen has a has great, I think, situational awareness with its yes, uh, and it t- kind of needs to because yeah. at its core, uh, and that is something I'll mention. <laughs> F nineteen and the reason why I enjoyed it so much at its core, it is a stealth game. Yes, 
Yes. Yeah, sure, you might fly a bit, but you're sneaking around. It's kind of like Thief the Flight Game, basically. Which, <laughs> which is a great segue, if you're not done, Brian, into what I wanted to mention. Oh, uh, sure. I mean, I, that, I was just, I mean, yeah, no, we can we can, we can, can go around the horn. The order doesn't matter as long as it we It really can. doesn't matter as Fair long enough. as we each get in one thing. That's what I care about. So go ahead. Because uh, I've recently resunk my teeth into a... Uh, in, you, you ever just had that, you know, that ch- that game you played back when you were a kid and then you get another game that is just like it and you remember why you loved it so much? For me, the game I've been just completely dug into and unable to de-glue myself from recently is the game U-Boat. U-Boat oh. is a very simple game. It's about running a U-Boat. Uh, the year, it is the year of our Lord, 1940. Uh, you, you're sailing from a... a you're sailing out from Germany to blow up British ships. Enjoy. Now, why do I love it so much? Well, because, first of all, because I played uh, Silent Hunter 4 since I was, like, I think 12. Uh, so I have an intrinsic love of uh, of ships. But also because it's a game that's great at uh, allowing you to take it at your own pace. It, the, the inherent uh, way that ships work and realistic ships work is that they said to take a while. Uh, which can be a bad thing uh, if you don't have a way to control uh, to like uh, control time or deal with any sort of time compression. Uh, but when you do, it means you actually can just sit down and think about what the hell you're going to do uh, without uh, extra time pressure. I, I learned this recently how much how important to me it is when I uh, got into online chess. Why? Because I felt like it. But one, I notice a big difference in performance in uh, timed games versus untimed games. I'm bad at chess under pressure. No, that makes sense. I, I usually hate time limits in games, usually. Uh, yes. Uh, so I do strongly appreciate games that uh, allow you to actually take your time with things, despite how much I play shooters and so on. But also, uh, I wanted to just mention... I really wish we had we got more proper stealth games, but also more unique ones. Ones that aren't like thief ripoffs with bad AI. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I really wish we actually got another F19 or an equivalent thereof that yeah. is sort of that is sort of inspired by, you know, all the progress we've made into in uh, aeronautic technology over the past 40, 30 years, 40 years. When did that game come out? Uh 87. No, 88. 88. So 34 years. 30-ish years. Uh, Things have changed. I really wish... uh, I do really wish there was something... uh, There were games more like that. Uh, As for other games, another game I've sunk sunk a a lot of time into. Uh, In the similar vein of U-Boat, there's Cold Waters, which I've been playing basically non-stop since 2017 when it first came out. Uh, it's also about submarines, but it's about very different submarines. Unsurprisingly, because the year of our Lord is 1984. Oh, is that the, sorry, is that the Red Storm Rising kind of Yes, and it's really good. It is exceptional. Okay, I'll have to try it. You really do. Yes. Uh, I'm willing to, like, even guide you through it if you need any help with it. It's just, it's, it's brilliant, but it's a bit esoteric. And obviously it plays a lot differently from, uh, you know, older style sims because, first of all, it's a modern sim, and second of all, not many games have done, you know, modern-ish uh, subsurface combat. 
Um, Not as many as we'd like, certainly. That game actually also reminds me of something uh, I've um, something I like. I like games that uh, I like uh, what I would best describe as a dynamic campaign, or yes. something to the eff- something to the effect of like a recurring, uh, not necessarily like a rogue like thing, but like a branching path, multi option uh, game. Uh, you have played Scavenger SP four, and uh, there. <sighs> There is evidence of, of that game and how Brian took to it. <laughs> yeah, never playing it ever, ever again. No, I don't blame you, but it is really good. Oh, it's uh, excellent. No question. Yeah. I, I can yeah, say just, it's excellent without ever wanting to ever play it again because it scares yeah. the living. Oh, my God. What is if, that knocking? If, oh, if, hi. If there was a camera, I'm really glad there. Were, I wasn't using a camera at that time. Because I literally did jump out of my seat. I literally, <laughs> yeah, I literally did jump back. I, oh god, <laughs> intercontinental ballistic Brian over here. Oh my god, folks! If you're not sure, we're talking about Scavenger SV4, SV hyphen four, is a first person, uh, kind of roguelike planetary drone exploration horror game. <laughs> yes, in, in practice. In yes, that's exactly what it is. It's primarily a game about exploring an alien planet, recovering stuff from the planet, researching this, researching this stuff, putting it back on your drone to get more stuff, and then surviving before you die of radiation poisoning because that's a thing that can happen. And your backstory is different every time, which is really neat. Yes, you get a different backstory, you get uh, different motivations for each character. Uh, each run is different. Uh, now the game. Okay, the game is replayable, but not infinitely, but it is replayable enough that you can uh, have multiple very interesting one uh, runs of it. Uh, and that is something I personally like. I don't really like... That's one thing I've also discovered when playing mods, uh, like mods for Stalker or games like that. One thing that narrative games suffer from is games benefit greatly from... Uh, games benefit greatly from, you know, player interactivity. But linear experiences tend to suffer from that because uh, it's a lot less impact. Uh, things happening can, are a lot less impactful when you don't have agency over them. For example, uh, for example, if you're playing a Call of Duty game, your buddy gets shot in mission one and you're supposed to be all sad because your buddy got shot, but you feel less sad because you know that the game, the guy was supposed to be shot. It's, pre- it's predestination. It's not like in a film where you know the story is you're witnessing the story. You're taking part in the story, but you have no effect on it. So you and you care far less about things you cannot affect directly uh, than about things you could. Now that doesn't mean. Uh, now that does not mean you know linear games can't have a good story. They can. Hello, Final Fantasy fourteen. Hello, many <laughs> different games. Uh, but it does mean that. But games can be a lot more impactful with a lot less, as long as. As long as the effects on the story reflect player players' actions directly. Now, now these actions can be very simple. Say you uh, say you have a bunch of compan- Say you have a pair of companions in a like a stalker game or an open world shooter, something like Daisy, and they get shot. Well, they got shot, and it was probably your fault because you didn't see that guy sitting on a uh, sitting in a bush over there, and you're gonna have to live with that now. <laughs> um. 
Okay, I've went like, okay, so how many diversions deep are we in? Okay, can we carry on to someone else? It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's not a problem because this is all this is all related to the topic anyway. It's I know, but I want life. to make sure I don't just hog the uh, hog the uh, conversation time. And also, I feel like I'm running a, a bit low on steam. So appreciated. No worries. Uh, who's got Who's got the next thing they want to share? I'll go. Okay. I happen to love when a game has not just a great story but great writing that pulls you into that world and especially so when and, it's funny. And that is rare explain, in video gaming. That's rare in video explain gaming. Explain the difference, Spaz, for okay, the audience. Sure. By this, I mean you can have a story that is really compelling, but good humor is very difficult to write to make sure that that humor lands. And a good example of this would be Sunshine Heavy Industries. Yes. Oh, the so writing good. is wonderful. It has so much nuance to it, but every joke lands for me in that game. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. It is such a funny game. And, and you can tell that it's written with love and earnestness because... It's they didn't like half-ass it, you know. Like, how many games have we played? Oh, thank you, David, for posting Steam links. By the way, of the game. Doing my best. No, it's it's a great idea. Actually, I appreciate I appreciate you taking the lead on that. Um, It's a really good idea. No, uh, it's it's. There's so many times where I've run into games where they try to be funny. It's like, oh, really? Just. Could you not? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, there are plenty of games that are unintentionally funny. <laughs> yeah, there are, but th- there are ones that really nail the humor. Uh, the Yakuza series is another example oh, where Jesus, they yes. really, really nail the humor. <laughs> the dog that, likes it too, apparently. That, uh, what I love about this this Yakuza game you're making me play is. It can go from serious to silly on a gu- and back to serious again on a goddamn dime. Yeah, <laughs> the game has yeah. no total consistency, but somehow manages to work anyway. It's like, oh, well, we're gonna do a quest for adult babies. Oh no, this guy is dead. Oh no, now we're gonna find cats. So <laughs> <laughs> it's all over the place, but at the same time, Yakuza Like a Dragon remains my favorite JRPG of it's all time. So and, good, and it is so Friendly- good. Friendly reminder, uh, Kiryu Kazuma has never killed anyone. <laughs> and Ichiban Kasuga has also never killed anyone. He's just yes, not uh, ignore, <laughs> Yes, ignore the amount of knives he's shoved into people, uh, but still. I think it's on sale right now, if you haven't gotten it, by the way, folks. I think it, on the Humble sale, I think, right now. Yeah. Um, it's on a uh, uh, pretty heavy 63%. discount. Yeah, sixty three percent off. So I'm yeah. pretty heavy discount, and it's yeah, that game can be very funny when it wants to be. That that the writing in that game is exceptional, no question. I I will never forget that adult baby quest as long as I live. <laughs> because what the f- anyway, um, but yeah, I completely agree with you because. It's it's really rare to find a well-written game that can all... I mean, there are a lot of well-written serious games as well, but being funny takes, I think, real skill. I think being funny takes more skill than being serious. 
And um, and when you run into a game that's legitimately funny, it's very impressive because most games aren't. Most games either take themselves way too seriously or try to be funny and fail. And yes, it's, it's it's that rare game that you play it and you're like, God, this is funny. Like, what was that first person bridge sim that was really funny? Was it Icarus or something like that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you remember what I'm uh, talking about? Icar- uh, yeah, Icarus SCS. Yeah, uh, simula- simulator. Yeah, that and game was. was yeah, that game was hilarious. <laughs> oh, that spaceship bridge. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it was a spaceship bridge game that was really funny because it took all these tropes and ran with them, and it did, but did it well. <laughs> really, really funny. Yeah, that one. Thank you, uh, thank you, Spaz. Um, oh. Oh, yeah, I have it. It's the cheap. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's really it's really fun. so fun and funny, and and it's it's a it's a great game to boot. Besides being fun and funny, <laughs> so yeah, that's a good that's a good one, Spaz. Finding those um those rare funny games can be a and real... it's not just that it's funny. It's just, it's that the timing is good. It it doesn't overstay its welcome with the humor. Yes. Because sometimes you'll get a game where they try to be funny and it's just the same joke over and over. And sometimes that's okay too, but there is a nuance to it to where uh, it can be good, but it has to hit just on the right notes. And I'll if tell it doesn't, I'll, it's going to fall flat. I'll, I'll tell you a game... Um I'll tell you a game that I thought I think is hilarious. Oh my god! Uh, but in a very dry manner, I think Warhammer Inquisitor is fucking hilarious. <laughs> Excuse my language. That game is so damned funny, but purposefully so, because it's got this really dry humor that would only work in Warhammer, but it does yes. work. <laughs> but it does work. <laughs> like when your tech priest gives you a certain amount of chance of surviving. Or, or whatever. It's like in it's the future, a, there is only grim dark humor. Yeah, but it's so funny. <laughs> what do you mean in the what do you mean in the future? That's just England. Yeah. <laughs> wow. The reason why the, why why a humor like that works so well in war, with in Warhammer is because that's just the default. <laughs> that's the, just the default humor of the British Isles. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong. I mean. I mean, whenever I think about dark humor of the British Isles, I always think back to uh, Faulty Towers. Don't mention the war. <laughs> Sorry, that's just one of the funniest bits of British humor I've ever seen. And, and in its own way, quite dark. <laughs> Folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go, to, go look on YouTube for Faulty Towers. Uh, basically, don't mention the war. It is... One of the funniest things you will ever see. Oh my god! We need a tangent counter. Just you the want- top right corner, a tangent counter. Uh, okay, I will. Okay, no, no, I will buy you, uh, Jacob, one of those little clicker things. You know, like that clicks up up a number, and you can just go click, 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 click every time there's a tangent. Yeah, yeah, I need to get one of those just so like <laughs> we can keep track. I absolutely need to get one. <laughs> We're at 18 tangents. Uh, <laughs> 19 All right, tangents. we are now 
17 tangents deep. Let's keep going. 18. God damn yeah. ADHD, ADHD theater. Nice, Luke. Real. That's real good. That's real good. Julie, did you just link to the uh, the bit? Is that what you yep, just linked? That's to? exactly yeah. what you yes. did. Oh, yes, great. I did. Oh. Faulty Towers is not my favorite British comedy, but it has moments of absolute sheer brilliance, and that is one of them. Oh my god! I'll throw another uh, example in there of great humor in a game, and okay. that is Deep Rock Galactic. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> that is that game can get stop it. Stop it, it now. <laughs> that game can get that intense. Guy miss your control. It really has a cozy job. <laughs> Endlessly quotable. And, and even during the missions where it can get really intense, it never stops being funny. <laughs> You're not being yeah. paid by the hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, all the lines uh, for friendly fire. I sub- Okay, I'll tell you a secret. Sometimes I just bing people with my with the revolver on the gunner just to hear just to hear the lines. <laughs> <laughs> you interplanetary goat! Stop shooting at me! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it's really nice to see well-written humor in a game because it just seems it just seems like such a rare thing, you know. Yes, it it always has been. Always, it see it seems as such a rare thing for two reasons: one, humor is difficult to to write; two, we live in a Terminally cynical, a cynical society for a bunch of reasons, Ugh, uh, especially right now. Jesus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Though one sort of humor I um, kind of wish gave. Okay, so this is a very specific thing, and it's another tangent. So bear with me. One thing I kind of want to see uh, games do, as far as a lot of games do, like humor by subversion, uh, by subversion of expectations, but. One thing I really don't see often is there's another sort of type of humor, specifically a type of parody, uh, a parody by exaggeration. What it is, is exactly what it sounds like, uh, where rather than uh, uh, surprising you you by doing things differently than expected in a a funny manner, uh, whatever work of fiction it is doesn't surprise you. It just makes everything so utterly overdone, tropey, but also blown out of proportion that you can't help but find it hilarious. Uh, I don't really have any good. Co- My best comparisons are paradoxically music, because I'm taught because the best comparisons I can think of are stuff like uh, Manowar, which are about which are uh, which have a single uh, type of music. Uh, okay, they have two types of music. One. Uh, one is about the uh, eternally glorious and wonderful uh, and wonderful fights and how manly the singers and all uh, uh, the singers are and how hard they beat everyone up. And the other is is that, except they're also singing about how cool metal is and how everyone else sucks, which is respectable. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> well, there's the example of Space Court where. Uh, Space Court, Brian has streamed this. Now, I, I want to mention this because it the humor in that takes a ridiculous theme, runs with it, and you have things like a sentient missile named Melissa. Um, oh, Melissa. <laughs> That's, a, I presume, knows where it is at all times. Yeah, it's it's weirdness at all times, but... But the whole point is, part of the humor just requires the player to just run with it. Uh, all right, yeah. it's a sentient missile. How do we work with it? 
Yeah, basi- exactly. Basically, it's just, oh, this is my life now. I'm, I should just accept this. <laughs> I mean, look, I've I've actually listened up to a lot of law cases and a lot of things. I have a friend who's a who's a law student, and I've uh, read up on a lot of uh, actual cases. And honestly, sentient missile would probably not even be in the top ten of some of the some of the nutty things judges have had to deal with. Oh, I believe. Well, it. the other thing about this, as as a as the space court judge. You are thrown into the position, and if you don't do well, you're going to get killed. That sounds bad. <laughs> yeah. It's such a good game, though. It's such a fun yeah. game. And, and, it's, and it's only three bucks. Regular price, because it, it's just a short game. It's really short. Yeah, I think I did the oh. whole thing in one stream. Uh, oh, I'm guessing it's like a Flash game with slight aspirations at that point. No, it's, well, it's, it's more than that. It's just... It, it just it, it's just very short, and that's and, okay. Yeah, and there that's aren't a, bad. there aren't a ton of branches. I like you can choose a few things differently, um, you know, every now and again. But like, it's a, it's a relatively short, fairly linear game. Uh, but it's so funny. It is so funny. Yeah, and we need more games that you can pay like two bucks for and play for an hour. Yeah, that's that's. If you guys noticed, that's a thing with that that vampire was that vampire survivors game. There, uh, there is a yeah, Vampire Survivors it started is kind of its, its own, own genre. Yeah, it started its own like little genre of the survival quick playing roguelike where you so don't it's actually it's somewhere between a yeah, it's somewhere between a roguelike and an idol game, frankly. Kinda because you're not shooting yourself. I mean, some of them allow you to do your own shooting, but a lot of them, you know, a lot of them you don't do your own shooting. So it's just, you know, positioning. You know, and whatnot. And, no, uh, and, and, and uh, in particular, uh, good skill choices when they come up because yes. your choices really matter. They really do. So I would also describe it as a one person auto battle- battler, then. Kind of, sort of. Do you I know mean, what those are? Oh, I mean. To an extent, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, auto battlers, you're not even like moving a character around you typically. You're basically. Yeah, usually- exactly. They're typically like. Strat, not strat, well, sort of strategy games. You have like sort of, yeah. L- they're very popular in like the, a lot of flash games were uh, were popular. Also Kingdom of Loathing, you, you, that sort of yeah, stuff. Just, no, that's not an auto battler though. Oh, that's not. That's not an, nope, not not an auto battler. I know oh. this. I've played it for many years. No, but, uh, but there is a more recent one called uh, the Dungeon Beneath, which is a turn-based auto battler, where. Oh. Between turns, you actually do have the option to move your uh, characters around before ending the turn. And when you do, then the actual combat happens for that turn. And then the next turn comes up. It is an interesting mix of turn-based auto-battler, though. What's it called? Because the dungeon beneath. I'm going to check this out. Yes. Then there is, uh, if we're on... We're on the topic of auto battlers, I guess. There is another game uh, recently come out. It's like this big RTS. No, it's not a big RTS. Let me actually just check. They have it listed somewhere. Uh, what it's called? Is... Okay, can you give me a second to try and find it? Yeah, sure. Sure. Oh, Line uh... War. That's what it is. Oh yeah. Uh, which is it, it's pretty self-explanatory in that you have uh, rather than. It's an RTS, but rather than build and control individual units, you essentially send out lines, as the as the name of the game implies, and the lines are and the lines of units go there and do their stuff. 
Um, okay, so that was okay. So that that was a tangent. <clears throat> Anyways, <laughs> it's fine. It relates. If I may, yeah, I have, right. another, I have another category I'd like to throw in. Sure, and this is what really I like about any game. It doesn't matter whether it's a space game or an MMO, and they're examples of all, and it. And it, there are different levels of it, and that is immersion. And I'm not talking about just, oh, you can strap on a VR headset or something silly like that. The first level to me is when a developer pays so much attention to the surroundings that it feels like a living world. And a good example of this is, um, is some of the games like... Um, and I'm trying to think. It's been out for a while. Black Star, not what is it? It's uh oh, hang on, just a second. What what is it today? This uh, the, the, the 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 dementia game junkie podcast. <laughs> well, there are so many Black, games to remember. There are so Black, many games and Black the- Desert on Black Desert Online, and this is the deal is. The developers of this game pay, pay a lot of attention to the surroundings. If you, a lot of, here's the example. If you go through some games and it's a reconstruction of a city, if the walls, the buildings, and that's it. But the developers there, a good example a friend of mine told me is like, he can walk through the city and here's a little rat that crawls through an alley. And, uh, and you can just pass it by and just so what. But if you capture the rat, there's actually a story behind the whole little thing. And that's just kind of like the environment is immersive. So that's kind of like the first level to me. The other one is like when the the story is immersive. And a good example of this is Final Fantasy XIV. And as you can hear, my dog doesn't like Final Fantasy XIV. But in Final Fantasy XIV, the story is really immersive. Like uh, in when the leader of Ulda is, you think, is assassinated. And it, I got so upset, I started screaming at the screen. And I said, you bastard, you can't do that. But the problem at that level is there's nothing you can really do to affect the story except go through it. It's a good story, but that's as far as it goes. Um, the other level of immersion is like when, and a good example of this would be like No Man's Sky. It didn't start out like this, but when, because at first it was just, okay, a survival sim. But now they put in the thing where you can run a settlement. And that's another level of immersion to me. But the level, the, the best example is to me, and I know it's a 10-year-old game, but that is Skyrim. Uh, and there's there's a main story. There's a lot of side stories. And... Um, and there, depending on what you do, is depends on how it turns out, and and that's the kind of thing that grabs me and really brings me into the game. The one thing I wish there was a way around 
and there there isn't at least not with today's technology and you see this with this uh this movie that came out recently uh free guy where the one of the main mm. characters is walking down the street and she's and she can kind of repeat everything everybody's gonna say and like in skyrim there's one guy that always says oh do you get up the cloud district very often oh no of course you don't and it becomes so irritating that people put in mods in the game that blow the guy blows the guy into orbit and then say now you can spend time in the cloud district if there were a way (laughs) to vary it so that you know to the extent that okay, the players aren't always saying the same thing. And I know that technology exists. It's just not incorporated in games. And that well, it, if you've ever... Is, can I mention? Go ahead. Because what you're talking about was actually tried out uh, in uh, Elder Scrolls for Oblivion. They had like a procedural dialogue system. Did they? Problem is, it was really bad. <laughs> Uh, it's basically it's instead of uh, NPCs constantly repeating themselves, they would pretty much just have conversations more or less at random with no regard for context or sensibility, which is why the system was ditched for Skyrim. Well, what I had in mind is what Google is doing now, and that's a natural language system that is so good that not only could it pass the Turing test, it did. There was a... What? Yeah, there was a... And it's just just a trick of linguistics. But there was an employee of Google that thought he had actually encountered a sentient program. And ultimately, he was going to let go for his leaking all this. And obviously, the program isn't sentient. It's just a natural language program that's really good at talking. And if you could and an early version of this would have been the Eliza program. You've ever encountered that, which is like a Freudian psychiatrist, and it will react to what you say. You can say, you know, I really hate robots, and it'll say, well, why do you hate robots? And you can, and it's just a trick of linguistics. It turns around what you say and brings back to you as a question. But this is a natural language program that Google has been working on. And this particular employee couldn't tell the difference. And so it passed the Turing test. It's just a trick. But if there were some way, and you'd probably have to have a crazy supercomputer to incorporate something like this into a video game. And so developers always develop for the next generation of games. So if they can come up with this, yeah, I'll buy a Craig supercomputer. I'll mortgage the house. <laughs> I think the inherent problem with that, and there is an inherent problem with that, is um, it doesn't have the capability to replace voice actors. And yes, the 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 real issue is having there. There's a, a degree of emotion and timing that that sort of AI or even just basic text-to-speech can't get, at least not with current technology. And even if it did, there are, yes, there are uh, uh, AI routines that will be able to take words that have been used by actors and then digitize them, add them into 
uh, sentences and effectively mimic their voices. The problem, again, with that is, well, if the person is no longer able to speak, okay, that makes sense for someone like, say, actor Val Kilmer, who uh, doesn't really have that capability anymore and is no longer actively acting because of it. That sort of thing can make sense. He's working with an AI team to, uh, to digitize his voice for certain, uh, for certain applications. That makes sense. But for games, it's going to be very difficult to actually have enough lines that will be sufficient to replace voice actors. The closest I've seen come to something like that, that's kind of a substitute, a lot of modders do for Bethesda games. And that is when you have a follower and they they follow you throughout. Now, sometimes they just say, okay, I'm telling you a story about my background. But when you've heard the same story for like the 20th time, you want to reach around and slap the crap out of them. But um, there's, excuse me, there are some characters that react to the environment wherever you're at. They're really well written. There's a few characters in Skyrim, for example, like this. And so depending on where you go, they can talk to you about the environment they're in. So that's kind of like a step down from that, but that's still another level of immersion. Hmm. Yeah. I I mean, I think the thing they're going to have to do if they want to get better at that is before Majel Barrett died, um, they had her phonetically record like every word in the English language, <laughs> basically. So uh, if they want to keep using her as Star Trek as the Star Trek computer, uh, they can forever. They'd have to do something similar, I think, for video games. <laughs> I mean, sentence mixing is something we already have, but also it's extremely janky and unreliable. Yeah, I didn't realize Oblivion. I didn't get far in Oblivion. But I didn't realize it had a procedural. Uh, conversation system because I never procedural with a couple asterisks in that uh, uh, it just ends up being extreme. It, it it's a mostly randomized uh, dialogue system that ends up being janky as hell. It avoids the problem of having NPCs that repeat the same line 157 times over and over, but it runs into the problems of ha- of NPCs having conversations that don't make sense. Oh boy. Yeah, maybe someday they'll be able to do that, but I don't see it happening yes. anytime soon. There's a reason why the best DLC for Oblivion is Shivering Isles, where it happens in the literal realm of chaos and uh, insanity, because Oblivion is perfect uh, for that sort of environment, because things just sort of happen and you have to accept that they happen. Oh yeah, uh, actual actual Oblivion, like actual... Yes, like- regular Oblivion. Yeah. Uh, like when you see when you see someone like ragdoll to the floor out of nowhere in the shivering house, you go, oh, yeah, that that sounds about right. You have no idea if, now. It's hard to now you do, don't know if it's part of the DLC or if it's part of the base game, but it works out either way. As a side note uh, related to this, there was a company a little while back that was that was taking the voice lines of actors. Uh, who had done a lot of voiceover work and was digitizing them for AI. The problem was this company was doing it without permission of those actors. That sounds bad. It sounds very bad because it is. 
it, it, it's a, it's very bad because because effectively what you're doing is what they were doing was taking those lines and then trying to use them to replace those voice actors for projects that they may not necessarily want to be directly involved in. That is very bad. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's probably worse than it sounds. Amazingly enough. (sighs) Okay. Um, so David, you haven't chimed in with something you really love about gaming. Oh, well, I've been trying to think here about something, but I do have at least something, and I'm going to steal it from uh, a YouTuber uh, that I've told about. Right, new guy, go. Before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, gaming is an incredible medium to st- tell different stories for different reasons and themes and all that stuff, and I really like when we can play as something else than humans. That is something that I always find interesting. Uh, oddly specific, but okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we can today create a game where, yeah, I'm talking about Marble Madness. You can be a friggin' ball and just roll around. You can do anything with games. And Rock of Ages. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I'm always happy when I can see a game where, oh, I don't need to play as a human. That's great. Let's go. Still seems to be in the minority of games <laughs> as, as, as a. Yeah. <laughs> Like most games, you're a human. I mean, yeah, there are some where uh, you you're playing as an AI. There are a few that that have come out recent in the last decade where you're playing as an AI, and yeah. and that's an interesting idea too because that leaves some room for storytelling that uh, you wouldn't have if you had a human avatar. Yeah, yep. like Observation. Did you guys play that one? No. What's that? I've not played it. I'm familiar with oh. it, but I've not played it. There is a game that does that really well, and it's called Being Human. And it's the story of, you know, an, an ascension AI. Detroit become human? Or no? Yeah, no. Oh, no. No, I'm sorry. I'm no. sorry. You're thinking of a different game. No, they, and that you know, is treated like they're not human when actually they're sentient and have feelings. And uh, it's just an absolute excellent game. All right. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Humble request, Spaz, do not bring up David uh, David Page games. I didn't want to. Unless I thought that's what was being a, referenced. Yes, Wait, but also, I don't know unless you want me to I do a repeat of, of last week. Uh, Detroit Beh- Become Human, Heavy Rain, Auto, uh Self-important Frenchy, self-important Frenchy, serial sexual harasser. Uh, oh. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Oh. Well, see, oh. I didn't know about the uh, the whole Detroit Become Human and who did it, but that you know, it's now that I know it, it's gonna no, ruin the game. No, for no Zen, Zen. We, 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 this is the positive week. We do not do. We do not go on rants. Yeah, so, that, so, so, the game, so the game is called what? Beyond Human? No, Detroit, Detroit become, become Human. No, but no, the one you the were one talking about. You mentioned that's yes. it. Detroit become human. Okay. I just I, I be, be, become. I, I mistook for being human, but which oh. is something else. But Detroit become human. I, and I'm not gonna link that. 
thank you. I, I played it too before I knew what was uh, also going on behind the scenes. I don't even care about the behind the scenes. The game is just bad. It tries to do a racism allegory with androids and fails. What? It tries to do a racism allegory with androids and fails completely. Uh... Well, I was just using it as an example of being able to play something uh, else other than human. Much Uh, better example, I would argue, uh, is a game I played recently called Per Aspera, I believe. It is about colonizing Mars as a Big, big sentient AI, and it's kind of nice because it's a city. It's basically a city builder. It's like one of those big city builders where you, you know, establish supply lines and mine out resources and uh, and uh, get and um, and uh, establish a functioning economy and all that. And in most games, you're just a nebulous administrator slash thing. So it's actually kind of nice when the game puts you in uh, the physical position of an administrative AI and then actually has a storyline related to you being that AI and you having to deal with the passage of time, how it, fe- uh, how it feels to not age, how it feels to sort of understand humans, but not really. It's really good, is what I'm saying. It's really good. And it's also really good as a city builder. It looks very difficult, though. It is tough, yes. And it's uh, recently added an expansion I absolutely love uh, because it features my favorite thing in the world, boats. (laughs) Uh, Oh, no. Yes. Uh, It also, uh, it actually paradoxically fixed one of the biggest issues that the the base game had in that uh, your goal is to terraform Mars. You do that by flooding Mars. But if you flood Mars too quickly, you can you can get you can uh, gate yourself off from uh, content and from things you have to do because the research sites on the planet can end up flooded, which is bad. But with this expansion, you could just send out a boat instead. Okay, that's good. Okay. I was gonna say the game can the game can cripple you by lo- let you cripple yourself. Yes, but uh. if you do if you do too well, but not anymore. They they sorted it out with the DLC. Oh, good, good, good. That's well, DLC slash update. I don't remember if it's actually paid for. It's still nice that they fixed what is probably a pretty yes. huge problem. And, <laughs> uh, yes, but also yes. The big thing is they added boats to a to a game about uh, base building. Which uh, uh, look, I really like boats. In case you, in case somehow you didn't get that impression. <laughs> I had no idea. No, I, I love boats. You should see uh, MST3K just did a movie called The Batwoman, and it's littered with boats. You would love it. <laughs> uh, it is. It I, really I, is. I feel, I feel like I'm missing a joke here. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, a, it's a Mexican-made movie it's a, uh, mm-hmm. featuring the character of Batwoman, except it's not licensed. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. I don't know how they got away with making this thing. She's also a uh, often bikini-clad wrestler because of yep. course, because of course it is. <laughs> it's so great and <laughs> terrible. <laughs> I mean, with the actual Batwoman film getting canceled, I guess that's what the rest we're getting. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny how that worked out. Uh, they did not plan it that way. It's just they they already had it on the schedule. Like they got these yeah. movies, what like last year? Like it's because it takes uh-huh. it takes ages to get the licensing for these things. And um, 
And so, like, they announced the string of movies, I think, earlier this year. Um, All right, let's drag anyway. this back from films, please. <laughs> I have a category real quick. Sure. And, sure. That, and that is games that can be played portable where people usually say, how does this game fit on the device? Two good examples. Oh. Sky, Skyrim. Uh, and soon No Man's Sky. And the reason I like those is I can play a game like that and I'm not attached to the computer in my room. I can play it anywhere, on the patio, in the front yard, and uh, be around other people and not have to hide someplace in the closet. Right. Uh, adding Julie mentions, mentions that it's the no switch to the bingo. And uh, I, I didn't say the word switch, but it still counts. Bingo! I'll give, I'll give you, it's I'll, it's very strongly implied. I will give you another example: Wreckfest. Uh, it's a racing game. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. It, it came out on the PC a couple of years ago. It's really freaking great. And they released the Switch version earlier this year, and I was like, "How do they do this?" And it finally went on sale a couple of weeks ago. So I'm like, you know what? I love Wreckfest. I have to try this. It would be tough to convince me I'm not playing the PC version on a handheld. It's fluid and beautiful. And there's still all of the crunchy physics that you expect from Wreckfest. Um, and it's got all the content, like all the, the whole career mode and the daily and weekly uh, challenges. And everything. it's got everything that the PC version has on a goddamn switch for about 10 gigs, which is astounding. I don't know how they did it. I have no idea how they did it. <laughs> yeah, when that first came, I was announced. There are a lot of people who are game that I've saw, like my favorite YouTubers that said, this is silly. It's just a rumor. No way it'll fit on the switch, but there you go. And it runs beautifully. Absolutely beautifully on the switch. I'm every time I play it, I'm just in shock <laughs> by how well it runs. Oh Lord. I am. I'm still like trying to convince myself to get a switch mostly because it's quite pricey. It's a whole new console. Yeah. And, but uh, it's got such a good library. It's got an amazing It's got such a good library, library but also it's uh how do I put this? I was never much of a console player. I did play a lot of portable consoles. I actually still have my PSP sitting to my left uh, in a bag. Oh. Still there, sitting there, waiting for... Effectively in retirement. I haven't touched it in years, but it's still sitting there. Uh, but... Um, well, the great, thing about the, Switch, the great thing about the Switch is it can also be docked and played on a television or a monitor. Yes, but also I don't have a television. Oh. The latest version to... has an OLED screen, and no Nintendo isn't paying me to say all this. Uh, we know we if, because if, if you had, if you had Nintendo marketing money, you wouldn't be here with us plebs. I mean, it's, sure, it, it's, sure, it's, I would. They also have a lot of PC games that have been ported over to uh, the Switch. Uh, yes, though, frankly, if I were to get a Switch for something, it would be to play some of the older emulated Nintendo titles. Uh, yeah, I was playing. Um, I've never, I never played Wave Race '64 because I never had a uh, Nintendo '64. But they just added that to their online. Like, if you pay for the online thing, you get a bunch of older games. They just added that one, and um, and I played it for the first time, and I had a great time with it. I had a really fun time with that one. 
They also have a lot of NES games and SNES games and everything that you can get emulated on the damn thing as well. I, I switch back and forth between that and my 3DS, and it's just fantastic. Like, the libraries of those two systems. Yep. But I have been playing MotorStorm on my Vita, which is a PSP game, by the way. Um, and it's excellent. Oh, you have a Vita. Nice. Oh, yeah. The Vita, I, I, I got that modded as well. So both my Vita is modded and my 3DS is modded. Yeah, so the Vita is a, is a was a it was a thing. Yeah, it didn't. It sadly didn't get the support it deserved. But as an emulation machine that can play uh, just about everything up to PS One, oh, it's fantastic. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Um, but it also plays PSP games very well as well. Yeah, so, uh, it's. I mean, it, it should. Yeah, it's a great little machine. It's a great little machine. Yeah, I don't really travel. I, I rarely leave the house, but I play portable games for the same reason. Like, I don't want to, like, sometimes I like being in the same room as my wife, even though she's doing something different, you know? So yes. I'll break out the Switch. <laughs> yeah, I played those a lot more back when I still used public transportation, back when I was in Warsaw and didn't have to drive to drive places myself like an adult. Uh <laughs> Do you have Sorry, a commute? Um, do you have a commute to university? Uh, not anymore. Oh, that's I good. Technically, I technically can. Like, I, it is possible for me to hop on a train, but I need to like wake up at five in the morning. Ooh. Uh, I mean, it's a good backup at least if my car decides to just give out for some reason. That's always good to have. Uh, okay, no, I'll stop before I go on a rant about public transportation because if I start, <laughs> I will never stop. <laughs> Oh, oh, believe I live in Los Angeles, the city that needs public transportation the most, I think. We have barely I, any. And I I I'll be uh, honest, if I if I ever get like if I would ever get like captured by the CIA and uh and they had to like wrangle some info out of me, they could just show me sh- pictures of LA traffic and I, and I tell them everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like, L- LA is an hour from LA. Basically, uh, in Chicago, before you're allowed to take public transportation, you're actually issued a bulletproof vest. It's, it's gotten oh. I can't tell if you're joking. Not she's, much. She's half joking. <laughs> okay. I'm only half joking. It's I become kind of dangerous. I just wish there was more, not only public transportation, but high speed rail. We have none. We have no high speed rail in this country, and it would be such a boon. A massive did. country with a federal with a federalized system, so you don't have to deal with the thing Europe has, where inter, where international rail is garbage because everyone runs on like different power grids, different at, radio networks. At least you have it. Yeah, we have, we, we none. have something. Yeah, we yeah. have nothing. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. Like, like, despite the fact that rail is perfect for the U.S. Uh, for the U.S. setup, where you have a agree. bunch of big cities. Yeah, we, we agree a, with you. Believe me, yeah. we agree with you. Like, but uh, okay, the so auto industry the bin- and home so, industry killed that. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So add to the bingo board me ranting about public transportation because apparently that's a recurring thing now. No, someone on <laughs> Facebook the other day showed a, a new type of airplane seat setup where it's four seats facing each other. So two and two. What? And that's the thing they do on trains, you know, yes. But 
I would never want to do that on a plane. And then we got into a discussion. Well, I would never, you know, but people, but people do that on trains all the time. Yeah. But America sucks with trains. It sucks with trains. Don't you so want to knock bad. knees with the person across from you? No. Why not? I know. <laughs> I mean, like on the tr- on the train, there's like at least a table in the middle because exactly. they're actually fairly space efficient. Exactly. But you can't do that on a plane, for God's sakes. Um, so, so we okay, got into this huge video game. No, wait a minute. We got into this huge discussion okay. about how like, oh, people, oh, trains are great. And I'm like, I don't disagree with you. It's just they're crap in this country. And two, it's not like because we have no high sp- high speed rail, we can't take trains anywhere unless that's our entire vacation. You know, we don't. If get- I were to take a car from where I live in California, in Northern California, to where yeah. Brian lives in Southern California, it would be about a six hour drive. It's a 12, it's what a 12 14 hour train ride via oh, train. Yeah. 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 With all the stops and everything. The, the, it's I ter- can get to the other side of this country in full. Well, we we've done the map fight and we've showed you how much how big California is versus Poland. Yes, yeah. but like <laughs> still. I know. So so yeah, no, we we totally are with you on we wish there was better transit in this country, but yeah, the auto industry killed it. So now we all have to have cars, which sucks anyway. Okay. So welcome to the infrastructure uh, junkie podcast. (laughs) Welcome to the public transportation podcast where we rail against America by talking about how crap it is. Rail. Oh, I didn't mean that. Oh God. (laughs) I didn't plan that at all. Wow. Wow. Well done, me. Well done. That was great. <laughs> that uh, out of ten. That out of ten. <laughs> let's let's take it back to another uh to another yes. Uh, thing we like. And I'll I'll throw one in. I'll throw one in. It narrative games that actually have a narrative without dialogue. Explain. There's a good example of this in the game I'm about to link, which is called Unpacking. Mm-hmm. The, oh, that one. The game has no dialogue, no spoken dialogue, no written dialogue. It is all within the story being told through the items that you are unpacking from move to move. You're, you don't even know at, at the start of the story, you don't even know what gender your character is the 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 person you're unpacking their stuff you don't know what gender they are until later in the story and until you unpack their stuff yes until you unpack their stuff and then you can you can sort of figure it out from from what's brought along with them yes and that's kind of the point is you're unraveling all of these things about this person's life as they go through a series of of several moves throughout their life. Mm. But there's no dialogue to, to take you through it. You just have to sort of intuit that as you see what's being uh, taken from move to move and what things are important, what gets left behind. But it has this narrative that is so compelling that you might think, oh, this is just unpacking boxes. This is stressful to me. It's not. It's not. You don't have a time limit. You're just unpacking boxes 
figuring out where they need to go, where the things need to go, where, which room they're supposed to be in, putting them in a place, arranging things around, and figuring out, figuring out this person's life. But it's a great example of how you can have a narrative that has no dialogue and still be completely impactful. Hmm. Yeah, so then people get into arguments about walking simulators and what is and isn't a video game, and, oh, right, that... <laughs> do people still do that? I remember that being, like, a big thing back in, like, 2012. People argued, learn like, Dear Esther was coming out. Oh, is this a video game? Uh... It's, an, it's a form of art, I would say, and... There is a yes, there is a narrative. Yes, but then yes, but then our video games are no, we're not doing this. <laughs> no, actually, I would I would answer that with yes. Fair enough. To to what degree can vary from game to game, sure, and the quality of what kind of art it is can vary from game to game, genre to genre, fair. But in general, games are a form of expression and therefore art. Fair enough. Right. I mean, at, at a basic level, yes, fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if, if, if no one has anything else, I, I would like to wrap up with um, another thing I love about wing games is I can't do pure sandboxes. You know, there are a lot of games that are like, just do anything, just have a pure sand. I can't do that. I need missions. I need quests. And I love when games... Either are mission based, which is one of the reasons I love like Warhammer Inquisitor because it's entirely mission based. You know, you have a hub, you do a mission, you go back to the hub, you do another mission. I love that. Or when you have a game with a lot of quests, like like Lord of the Rings Online or Final Fantasy fourteen, where it's just here's a fun to do list of things to do forever. Like you don't do, like just being chucked in chucked into the middle of a thing and being told to go nuts. Yeah, I can't. I I need direct. I need you some need, direction. You need structure. I need some structure. Need I need structure. some direction. Yeah, I can't. I can't do the pure, like just have at. Like no, I no. I need. I need a goal. I need even a short term goal. I need something to work toward. I can't. I'm terrible at making my own goals because then I'll make a million goals and do none of them. ADHD, my friends. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this goal sounds fun. Oh, it's too hard. This goal sounds fun. Oh, it's too hard. This goal sounds fun. Oh, it's too hard. So I, yeah, I need, this happened. Yeah. <laughs> so when a game get like when a game has a good structure that is easy for me to follow, uh, I just, I just love it. I just love it. And so like, that's why my comfort games are inquisitor and Lord of the Rings online and stuff like that. Because, and rebel galaxy outlaw, because like, Oh, here's a couple of missions. Go out there. Have at, and come back and get some more. That's basically that's Go nuts. Yeah, that's basically the 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 uh, the loop that I love. Take some missions, go out, do them, come back, take some more missions. Like that's why I also love uh, thirty thirty death war. It's the same thing. Here's, I mean, you could just go out and in thirty thirty death war and find stuff to get to find trouble to get into. But I love having goals, and so I love that the game gives you an option for either of those things. You know, that's one of the reasons I couldn't yep. really truck with. Um, Elden Ring after a while. It's like, okay. Yeah, the game just sort of goes, all right, so you got to get the Elden Ring. Figure it out. <laughs> Figure it out. I'm going to throw you in there with a diaper and two knives. Go. 
<laughs> yeah, the game is intentionally <laughs> obtuse, which some people find appealing, others find frustrating. It started feeling like work. I got like 13, 14 hours into it. It's like, wait, this feels like a job. Like my job, my job is where I come up with my own goals. You know, <laughs> I don't need to do that again. <laughs> so, so yeah, I really appreciate when games are either heavily mission based or have the option to do quests and missions. I do love that. Uh, does anyone else have anything you want to throw in before we wrap up? Or yeah, I do have. One. Oh, go for it. just a quick one. When a game has good bots, oh, good yes. AI with yes, whether they're whether it's a co-op game with good AI or or the AI against you is competent. David. Because it's, it's too easy to to make a too difficult AI to play against. So making a competent AI that makes mistakes but not too many is a really difficult balance. Okay, so quick break. David, as your senior, I am ordering you to plug to plug in Angels Fall first into the stream chat. <laughs> okay. It's really good. I'm doing it. It's really it's a really good game and it desperately needs more players. Right. It's a great game with like a with like no player count. Thank Point you. Rank. It's good. Get it. Everyone who's watching this, get it right now. We should do that as a multiplayer game one week. Yes. And if you, All for it. And, and, if you, and, if, and if you're someone who's like in the Space Game Junkie Discord server and you want someone to play with, literally actually just ping me and ask me if I'd be willing to play that game. And I will sit down, I will teach you how to play it and I will uh, like join up, join up in a squad because this, the game is that good. It's so good. And it's got great bots. Great bots. That game has great bots. Gene Shift has great bots. The Unreal Tournament games, of course. I was just playing uh, Quake. The Steam version of Quake had a huge update recently. And I was playing that against bots, and they were pretty good. Those are pretty good bots. Um, in a Capture the Flag in Quake. I was, in, I was very much enjoying myself. Um, so, yeah, good bots are so essential when either you don't have enough players or you just want to play by yourself so yes essential. i want to test out test out the game uh what i often do is just use the angels full first bots to just test out loadouts and strategies uh also bonus points if the if the bots can actually be given orders and told what the hell to do yeah uh like in uh, battlefront way back in the day or like in angels full first exactly exactly yeah it's it's really great to be able to give them commands and have them do it. And there were some other games with good AI like that. Like, uh, remember Savage? It was a RTS first-person shooter where you could either be in the RTS mode yeah. or... Yeah, or you... yeah, kind of like a precursor to uh, the Executive Assault. Exactly. and, and the uh, There AI... were a couple games that tried that. There's, uh, was it the Natural uh, Selection natural, too? Unnatural uh, Selection, that was another one, yes. Uh, Savage was particularly good, I always thought, though, because I almost always played it with bots. And uh, when the bot was in RTS mode, it actually gave reasonable objectives. But the bots did a good job following your objectives when you were in commander mode or whatever it was called. Um, so that was also a great game with bots. And this is doubly impressive because so many games that are otherwise excellent completely fall flat because of terrible AI. I'm yes. looking at you every Paradox title. <laughs> I am amazed. Everything. 
Stellaris, Stellaris, Crusader Kings, Europa, Universal, Europa Universalis, Victoria Freaking 2, some of the greatest like grand strategy games ever released, completely ruined by the most brained, the most incompetent, the most mentally defunct artificial intelligence I have seen in my life. I have never felt more yeah. fear and disgust than, than when I was playing Hearts of Iron 4 and I cheated to tag switch to one of the AI factions and saw what it was doing with its armies and its tech tree. It was disgusting. It actually <laughs> gave, it actually set off my gag reflex when I saw that it had like, like that it saw that it had like one unit squads with 15, like with 15 generals that like covered up the whole screen. That is just objectively the wrong way of playing the game in every possible way. It's, well, look, you just heard me. They make great games ruined by garbage AI. That is my opinion of Paradox Interactive. <laughs> Congratulations. That's uh, all I need to tell you. Oh man. <laughs> what else do you want? don't know i think that's a good thing to end on though <laughs> fair enough <laughs> so friends that's good AI to, sorry good AI to your games please yeah, please everyone, if you can if you can uh so that's gonna do it for this week i want to thank everyone in the chat as always for being uh for being great uh today very active chat very great chat uh really appreciate it uh next week we're just gonna have kind of a casual catch-up show because Jacob's not going to be here, and we don't know if Thorsten's going to yep. be here. So if Thorsten, we might even skip next week if Thorsten can't show up, because like if we're missing two of our people, why even bother? So we're going to keep next week really loose. Um, so we'll keep you posted. I mean, if Thorsten still can't make it, we'll probably skip it, because we don't want to, we don't want to, you know, miss two, we don't want to have two of our people missing our sh missing the thing, you know? That's not fair. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, we might skip next week. We'll see. But um, I'll see you back here tomorrow at 6 a.m. for some more Warhammer Inquisitor because Navy Strike turned out to be a big, wet fart. And yeah, how, how did that go? And co-op tomorrow, by the way. Oh, yeah, and we, have, uh, our, we, we moved our co-op stream to Thursday. Thank you for reminding me, Spaz. Uh, we're going to be trying Drox Operative 2 in co-op tomorrow. Um, to the best of our abilities. The co-op in this game oh, is yeah. jank. So... So just just a just a refresh with Navy Strike. Basically, it's a strategy game that has a flight sim element, and the strategy game was kind of fun until you're like, "Oh, this cap is gonna this this cap flight is gonna intercept this Mig twenty nine. Great! Oh, the Mig twenty nine is turning home. Why is the cap flight following it all the way home over enemy air? To oh, the cap flight just got shot down. Okay, great. We'll try it again. Wait too much. They, way too they, much micromanagement. Maybe they won't do it. Oh, they did it. Okay, so I lost like six planes. Because they wouldn't turn around, basically. It's like, oh, for God's sakes. This pilot followed me home. Can I keep him as a prisoner? <laughs> God. It, was, it just ruined everything. The flight, yeah. play, the flight game wasn't even that great. But when, when, you're, when you're playing a strategy game and your AI units are that stupid that the only way to bring them back is to cancel their entire mission, like, okay, well, I'm not playing this anymore. Spe speaking of bad AI, I guess... Yeah, but I mean, so that's where we're going to play more Inquisitor tomorrow because Navy Strike ended up being a bust, which I was kind of worried about. But what are you going to do? So that'll do it for today, folks. Thank you so much for hanging out. Um, and again, thank you for being in the chat. We love you guys. 
And we'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Have a great one, y'all. And be sure to get vaccinated if you can, if you haven't already, because we got to all get through this. And the only way we're all going to get through this alive is by getting vaccinated. Uh, so please. And when there's a monkeypox vaccine, get that too. Seriously. And get your flu shot. <laughs> Just take care of yourself, God of damn it. Just take care of yourself, God damn it. Go to the doctor. Take care of yourself. <laughs> Get the goddamn vaccine and just be, be good to yourself. Damn it. All right. Bye-bye.